Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is Backwoods Theology, the new podcast that you are going to want to make sure that you listen to. And we're excited about this particular episode today. We're going to be introducing ourselves and letting you know who we are, and also from what basis we're coming with our podcasts and our studies. And I've got two of my best friends around the table here with me. And we're excited about coming to you today. My name is James Wiley. I am the pastor of the Churchill Baptist Church in Augusta, Maine. And we'll be talking a little bit more about ourselves, but I first want you to hear from my friends here. And so we will start with Chad. And so Chad, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll move right along. Chad. All right, sure. Uh, my name is Chad Colburn. And I pastor the South Liberty Baptist Church in Liberty, Maine, and we've been there for um, nine, almost ten years, and uh, married to Amanda with five uh, wonderful kids and one on the way. Josh, how about you? Josh Lovelace, coming to you from Jefferson at Truth Baptist Church right in Jefferson, Maine. Been there for, oh, I think 12 years now, so... I'm really excited about this. Yes, and I, I'm I'm married to and have children. Just want to make sure because I think we wouldn't want anybody to think you're available. Well, I just right, want to make sure right. it's known because you are female bat. listeners. Right, think what right. a melodious They need voice. to know. They well, need to know. he's wearing a, a shirt that says "Reel 'em in." So it's got a I'm, fish on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just saying that's what you're wearing. It's got a fish on it. Okay. Well, we're in our 22nd year in Augusta. And um, I've been pastoring for 19 of those years. I am married to my wife, Karen. It's good that I'm married. And we've been married for going on, it'll be 28 years this coming spring. And we have four children, and we're just grateful for how the Lord has worked with us here in our ministry. And before we get started, I we wanted to talk a little bit about what why we are calling ourselves backwoods theology. I think it's important that folks know that. We are preachers that are pastoring in rural Maine, and I thought it'd be important that we all talk about that a little bit. So, Chad, why don't you start, why don't you start about where you grew up and, and also tell us a little bit about the town in which you pastor and the church where you pastor. Sure. Uh, so I was born uh, right in Midcoast, Maine, and grew up there, and actually, uh, Brother Wiley and I went to the same church for a number of years as we were growing up. Your brother and I did as well, and then um, went off to Bible College in Pensacola, Florida. Met my wife there, and just just knew that uh, we were going to come back to Maine one day and serve the Lord here, and uh, so ended up in Liberty, Maine. And the pastor that was there previously was Pastor Nathan Garnett. He was just a faithful uh, man of God, served at South Liberty for uh, over three decades, and he really pastored the church well. Uh, the church just, he had, he had taught them to love and to serve, and so really had laid a good foundation. The town where the church is located is Liberty, but it's located at the intersection of three towns, Liberty, uh, Appleton, and Washington. Uh, Appleton, we actually refer to as Burkittville. It's a suburb of Appleton, if such a thing's possible in rural Maine. And uh, it's just, it is, it's a, it is a, it's a rural Maine town. Liberty has, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people, uh, Burkittville, the same, Washington, the same. They're not big towns, uh, but there's people there, and those people need to know the Lord, and those that are saved need to be discipled. And uh, ministry is, uh, it's it's slow-paced. It just is. You, you have to be faithful day in and day out and let the Lord work as you faithfully plant seed. Uh, but I love it, you know. Um, I, I don't know that I would flourish or enjoy pastoring in a more urban context. I don't think I would. So, Josh? Well, um, I am the one from away. I am not an official Mainer and never will be. Um, but that's okay. 
I appreciate my friends. I appreciate them accepting me for who I am. And sometimes, are you checking the volume level? Am I doing all right? Okay, because I'm considered the loud one of the bunch, if uh, those listeners could tell. Trying my best to be quiet. I um, I didn't mention, uh, everybody else mentioned their wife's name. My wife is Duska. We've been married for 16 and a half years. And uh, really excited about what the Lord's doing in our life as we move to Jefferson. I, again, not from here. I grew up in the South. I grew up in North Carolina. Very... Um, it was country, rural, but at the same time, urban mixed as well. It was very uh, all over the place for me. But also grew up um, high church and uh, grew up big, big church, big um, pastorates. And w- coming up here, when the Lord called me up here, my wife's from here, I uh, came up on a missions trip when I was a freshman in uh, Bible college um, to put vinyl siding on Churchill Baptist, and it was here where I met my future wife and uh, knew the Lord called me to Maine. Didn't want to come to Maine. The reason I didn't want to come is because I knew pastoring in Maine is not the same as pastoring in the South, and uh, it just seems, um, I, I, I like Brother Chad, you mentioned, it takes more patience than I realized. Uh, I was kind of getting up here, taking the opportunity to, you don't just pastor people without getting to know the people and involving yourself in their lives, understanding um, the Mainer way of life, which is what I did not know. And I'm working on it. Yes, I have a fishing shirt on. and um, But at the same time, learning roar, roar, okay, this is called backwoods theology because I can't pronounce the word rural very well. So, but learning what Unurban life is like, <laughs> and uh, Jefferson, very very small town. We have um, eleven hundred mailboxes. That gives you an idea of the size of Jefferson. Um, I think three stop signs. So very rural, backwoods in in life. And um, so I've had to learn how to adapt, how to adjust, and because pastoring a church like that is not the same as pastoring in other places. Um, not that other places are better or different, uh, uh, better or worse. They're just different, and everybody's got their unique style. And um, so I'm excited. Been here doing it for 12 and a half years, so I hope I'm excited. Well, we're excited to be in the city of Augusta. Augusta is the capital of Maine, although when you hear capital of a state, you think of metropolis, but Augusta is the third smallest state capital in the nation. Um, so it's still got a very rural feel. Our church is out in farm country. We have a horse farm right next to us. And I was born and raised here in Maine. And I like to say I've lived here my whole life, but my life isn't over yet. So uh, I've got some more living to do. But um, I'm grateful to be, I never had to leave home. I was able to stay right in my home and pastor, and I love pastoring here in Maine. The people are very real. They're just simple-minded folks, uh, folks who like to live simply. Um, when we dress up at Churchill, it's making sure our we have coordinating flannel uh, as we uh, come, and it's just real people, and I just thoroughly enjoy it. We've been here for over 20 years and just thankful. I also, um, not every podcast will be like this, but we thought it would, we should take some time for you to get to know us a little bit. What, right. what I'd also like to say is all three of us are friends. We are very, very close friends, but our ministries are also close. Um, all of our ministries are within 20 to 25 minutes of each other, and it just shows that men can pastor in close proximity. Yes, we sometimes have people flop back and forth uh, between the churches, but we love each other. We work together. We need each other. And I'm just very thankful for the relationship that God has built. Just because we pastor in a rural community doesn't mean that we can't know the Word of God as well as anyone else. And uh, we would really, we want this podcast to be for everyone, but um, in my mind, I hope it can really help the the preacher who's 
um, perhaps in a rural setting, wherever you may be, Kansas, Wyoming, you're, you're just pastoring a handful of people and you know, you're struggling, you don't have a lot of fellowship, you're not able to um, perhaps be close to other preachers or for encouragement. We're hoping that we can come to you with some encouragement. And we also wanted to encourage you to know that uh, you're important. God called, called Philip to go preach to one man and he was faithful to do so. And um, we're just thankful. So uh, do not despise meager beginnings. You bloom where you're planted and just allow God to use you. And we hope that this can be a help to you. Uh, we also want you to know by what authority we're coming as well. I think that's important. Um, I don't know whether we'll have any actual Bible debates, meaning King James versus anything else. Um, but I think it is important that we set that early, a couple things by which we come. Um, I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, perfectly preserved, um, and that's the premise by which I will come. I know we have all these slogans and catchphrases and creative things to say. Um, I just believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, period. How about you, Chad? Yeah, I would say the same. And... I even think how, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, how we arrive at that conclusion is very, very important and becoming increasingly important uh, for those that hold that position. And, you know, you use the word premise. That's that's the right word. You know, the premise of this podcast is going to be that if we have um, have the right Bible and we rightly divide— we can rightly understand the Word of God. Right. And if you're listening right now and you just heard a dump, stru- dump truck, <laughs> dump a bunch of gravel, that's because this is the Backwoods Theology Podcast. That's right. But yes, I would agree. King James Bible is the Word of God. Josh? Yeah. Um, I second that, third that. Uh, King James Bible is the Word of God. And uh, like Brother Chad said, we've, we have a different story, I think, the three of us, in coming to that understanding. And, um, but... A similar story, yet different. But um, I'm thankful for um, friends that we can call on. And like Brother Wiley said, we're 20, 25 minutes apart. This isn't Burger King and McDonald's. We're not in competition with each other. We're working together. And um, because we have similar similar understanding of something as what I would call as simple as what the, <laughs> what the Bible is. Is, is, it, is it hard to think that way? You know, what, what, is, what is the Word of God today? And we can say, it's the King James Bible, and I'm thankful for it. There's different camps. Uh, it seems we live in a society today where everyone needs to be labeled, whether, you know, uh, it's because everyone needs to be compartmentalized. And, and I think it's the same in, and I'll say, quote-unquote, Christianity as well, that there's a bunch of different compartments. You've got fundamentalists. You've got what would be called fighting fundamentalists. You've got charismatics. You've got, um, you know, just these different camps. And I think it's important. I just, um, I just call myself a Bible believer, just period. I believe the Bible and, um, you know, all of these things where we say, well, I'm a devil hating, you know, heaven loving, you know, and they go through this long list well, if I'm a Bible believer, I'm going to believe all those things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to. I can just sum it up by saying I'm a Bible-believing Baptist, and I'm proud to proud to be so. That's good. Yeah. I think. Do you think it's also worth, you know, clarifying that um, though I think we all would agree that we believe in the independence of the local church, and we certainly would hold to the the fundamentals of the faith. But that's a, again a broad term. It's a safe statement. Yeah, and, and we're also we're Baptists. But that uh, I don't, I know I wouldn't identify necessarily with a fundy. Um, that's I agree the to term that. that's yeah. been come to use. That's, that kind of refers to almost like a, a church culture of its own. But that's not something that fits Maine at all. And it's not um, my desire or intention or ministry plan to get all of our men to wear coats and ties to church and behave a certain way and. Uh, that is not something that's part of, well, the Bible doesn't speak to that. So if the Bible doesn't speak to it, then I don't tend to worry about it too much. So, Well, we believe that God helps people from the inside out. Right. 
And so um, we, we, just, we just want to identify ourselves as Bible believers. We, we don't have time to bark up other trees and get after anyone else. We just believe the scriptures and, and we're thankful for that. Um, we want people to conform to the image of Christ and that does start from the inside out and you can put lipstick on a pig but it's still a pig so um, we want to be true believers and I believe when God gets to our heart he changes our dress he changes our look he changes our speech he changes our behavior and um, so that's the premise we wanted to come from did you want to add anything to that brother Josh no I'm actually um, was going back to something you had said you had said what eight, nine minutes ago, that I'm still kind of blown away. You mentioned Wyoming or Kansas, and I thought, wow, I'd be happy if it got next door. So this is really high hopes. I like it. <laughs> well, I am the least technological of the group. <laughs> I can turn on a light. That's about it. The only reason um, that I'm even here, I'm not even sure why I'm here. Um, I know why Brother Chad is here. Josh is here because we like Duska better than Josh. Right. But um, I agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think we're setting the framework uh, for what future podcasts are going to be. We're going to talk about some exciting things. and But again, we wanted to take this first podcast for you to get to know us a little bit, who we are, um, but also from what direction we're coming. So we've talked a little bit about the King James Bible. I know for me, the next important having the right Bible um, is key. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit will guide us in all truth. And John 17 says, thy word is truth. So in order to be guided in truth, I need to have the word of God. Um, but next for me, when I come to the scriptures and I come to understand and come to study the scriptures, I just want to talk about right division for a moment. And I know that that is not a popular topic with some. They there are those who just want everything in the Bible to be about them. And I just think it's the society in which we live. Everything's got to be about me. Um, what I've come to understand is if I wanted to find myself in the scriptures, I, I, there would be very few places for me to go. I, I can go most places in the Bible and not find me, but I can't go anywhere and not find the Lord and not find him. So I do believe in right division. Uh, if I do not come to the scriptures with that thinking in mind, that not every age is this age, not every right. promise is for me, not every um, truth that I learn is for this age in which I live. And um, whether you're a dispensationalist or not, whether you're a 7, 9, 12, 13 point dispensationalist, you have to come to the understanding that there are times in the scriptures at least you believe in an old and a new testament uh, at least you believe in that at least you believe perhaps and this may be a future would be the millennial reign of christ perhaps measured periods of time so i think for me to properly understand the scriptures i need to be able to say well that's not talking about the age in which i live um that we come to the scriptures in that way or else we're going to get a lot of false doctrine you guys want to talk about that would you use, um, I'm assuming, when you say the term like right division, that's not something that just came off the top of your head. You're actually using a Bible, a Bible term for that understanding, correct? Second Timothy right. 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I was a pastor for 15 years before I understood that this is speaking literally, this next phrase in... The whole verse is speaking literally, but rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing. I just felt that that, you know, for years I just felt, well, that just means a proper interpretation or a proper understanding of the passage. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I learned, no, this, that's literal. That's speaking that there are divisions in the scriptures. There are ages in the scriptures. There are all through the... Bible, there are what I would call dispensational words like, but now, um, until, you know, it's giving time references. And so, yes, that's the verse that I would use. So if you were to start out, you know, this, this 
idea of rightly dividing, where would you begin in explaining to somebody, you know, here is the first most basic set of divisions you would want to know, you'd want to know. Like I would think it would come down to, to people, right? Okay. Like there are particular people groups in the Bible that are distinct from one another. Would that be fair? Yes. Okay. And so we're talking right division just on an elementary level on a for very, someone. Right, right. Because this is backwoods. Right, right. Right. So we're 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 not gonna and this here's what's interesting. So so we two of us have Bible degrees, right? We went to the same institution. Um and we were also uh biblical language minors, right? So we've we've had uh Greek, we've had Hebrew, um and, and so we have approached the Bible with the, I'm going to, in, in air quotes, the original languages, okay? But I'm fairly confident that neither one of us who have that currently make use of that today. Is that fair, Josh? That is very fair. Okay. So neither one of us at this, at, at this we're by conviction. By conviction, yeah. We don't use Greek and Hebrew. That's right. And so because this is the Word of God, we are going to... Um, we're going to interpret spiritual things by spirit, comparing spiritual to spiritual, right? So we're going to compare scripture to scripture. So, so to understand this right divisions, we're not going to find this by saying, you know, if you understand this declension or if you understand this verb tense, you're going to get it. We want people to know that they can open up their King James Bible and understand these divisions. That's right. Okay. So pitching that question back, who would we say are you know, distinct groups of people in the Bible. You go on like Jew Gentile or Well, I mean are are the Jews and Gentiles distinct groups of people? Is is the church a distinct group of people that you know I would that's say yes. Yeah. Okay. I think you where you begin on the very basic level would understand that there is an old and a new testament. Okay. That the death of the testator, according to Hebrews nine gave strength and brought in the New Testament. Before then, they were under the old, according to Hebrews. And so I think just starting at an elementary level that we understand, okay, there are two, there are two divisions there very clearly. Okay. Josh? The second season. What's that? The first the second, second season. season. Yeah. The New Testament's the second <laughs> season. Right. I haven't started season two. You're yet. referring to a video that I, I sent am. to you from, I am. from the YouTube machine. I have to. That was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so how else would you, you know, in right division, so we would recognize so what are the implications of that? Okay. So if we recognize there are Old Testament saints, right, who are who are under that old testament and there are New Testament saints who are under the new what becomes the implication of that for someone who is reading their Bible this morning? Um, for example, if they're reading in the Old Testament, Josh, what are some considerations they should have? Well, if you're if you're reading Psalm 51, David says in Psalm 51, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And a New Testament believer can't say that statement. If you're saved, you have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. David did not. And so to to put yourself in Psalm 51 and say, oh, uh, I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. You know, th- that's a great uh, a prayer. That's a wonderful thought. But just because it says I and my doesn't mean I can say, well, that's, that's me speaking too. Because I cannot say verse 12. I cannot say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why would I ever say that? Because his, the Holy Spirit will never leave me. So that would be um, a good example. Sure. If if you don't have right division, because you're throwing yourself in where you're not supposed to be. Right. Right. Or understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Uh, you know, improperly thinking yes. that you could lose the Holy Spirit. Which, uh, like, you take that one thought and you and you just continue to follow it to its mm-hmm. to its end. A person that thinks they could lose the Holy Spirit, right? Would they be concerned about the security of their salvation? Of course they would. Right. They would be and. But, so, I couldn't sleep at night. Right, right. But we know in the New Testament, certainly, we're commanded to not grieve, 
the Holy Spirit. That's so true. there is definitely a distinct ministry based upon which testament you're under. So another another example you can think of? Uh, another would be if we don't understand division, we're going to get we're going to destroy meaning and context. Uh, I'm sure you've been to a revival service where the preacher preached from Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and that was his premise, and he likened it unto our day today. And if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Well, if you read the previous verses to that, you'll understand that that verse has nothing to do with you and I today. Actually, where it says, and will heal their land at the end of that verse, he's speaking about physically healing, healing. the land. Mm -hmm. He is speaking about how the land has been smitten. It is not producing fruit. Um, I believe that is a reference to the time of Jacob's trouble where the earth, the physical earth will be plagued, mm. will not bring forth its fruit. Um, but there's that promise to the nation of Israel that I will heal their land. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with the physical land of the United States of America. My garden grows Jurassic Park. I mean, the, the land of the United States could f feed the world multiple times over. Mm -hmm. The United States does not need its physical land healed. Um, we are making a spirit, we're, we're spiritualizing this text, which is not a promise. Second Chronicles 7.14 is not a promise to you and I as in us in the church. It is a promise unto the nation of Israel that he will heal their land. So um, we just came out of Christmas. And so obviously there's gifts and exchanging of gifts and so forth. To approach scripture, to make scripture about me. And then when all of a sudden I find out Second Chronicles 7.14 is not about us, wouldn't it not be labeled a sign of maturity? Seriously, we teach our children this, to be excited for somebody else's blessing that they received. You get what I'm saying? So we came out of Christmas and this kid gets this present. Well, you can be excited for him for getting that gift, even though you didn't receive anything, but a sign of maturity. And to approach scripture, I believe in a spiritually mature way is to, be, and you know, I'm excited for Israel for Second Chronicles 7.14. That's a wonderful thing for them. There's also this reality that if if you, now I had not considered it having a tribulation application, right? But I had, you know, I do know that God told the nation of Israel that if you turn on me, you're getting a spanking, right? You're, yeah. these, all these curses yeah. will come upon you. But then in Second Chronicles 7, he's saying, but if you turn from your wicked ways and repent, I will heal your land. So I will remove the curses mm -hmm. that I promised would come if you were to forsake me, okay? So, so if you take that, and I got to think, I'm going to chew on that. Uh, if it has a tribulation context or tribulation application, uh, and I don't even like the word application, but interpretation, right? Then we know what follows the tribulation. Well, that millennial kingdom, right? And that's a millennial kingdom that um, that that we'll be a part of, you know, and and we'll rejoice at Israel's because the th okay, the theme of the Bible. So so we're all in agreement that the theme of the Bible, we shouldn't approach the Bible as if it's all about me. Correct. Okay. So if I were to even take that one step further, would you agree with a statement that the theme of the Bible is not even the redemption of man? Correct. Do you agree with that? I agree to that. Yeah. Right. So if to identify what something is, sometimes you have to say what it's not. So then we have to figure out, so what is the theme of the Bible? So I um, had this verse introduce, uh, uh, you know what I mean? A verse is never introduced to you. If you've, I've read the Bible 15 times. Well, yeah, but you still there, you know what I mean? Right. And um, a pastor shared this with me and I told him, I said, if there can be one verse that you would go to as the theme, he said, yeah, this is it. Okay. So you're, I'm so about you're, to read this it. Is the can theme I read it? For the whole Bible. That's what I would say. All right. Hit me. Zechariah 14, nine. Okay. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, there shall be one Lord and his name won. I believe that's the theme of the Bible. I too. agree. No, and I'm, it's not Brother Wiley that told me that. So sure. I just want everybody to know that. Sure. No, and, and honestly, he, okay, here's why... The, not I'm that excited. that's a problem. No, but you know, one reason I'm excited about this podcast is I think that probably the, the 
the found not the foundation for it but the beginning of the digging of the hole was I think just having conversations at Moody's Diner, realizing there were some things that we were all learning at the same time, but yeah. separate from one another. Yeah. Like that was exciting. Yeah. And I remember when I, when it first, when someone first introduced to me, and it wasn't Brother Wiley, uh, that the theme of the Bible is actually about Jesus Christ as King, the King and his kingdom. All of a sudden you have a set of glasses that a whole lot of things make way more sense. Like the book of Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Again, the average Christian Bible, good church, King James Bible reader is going to approach Psalms, Psalm 23, and is going to approach all these Psalms with themselves as the focal point. As the focal point. Right. Here's a little test. Let's do a little test right now and try to answer, if you know the answer to this, try to answer this based upon what you think Christians would answer. What I mean by that is, okay, if I asked if I asked the normal Christian, tell me the theme. What is the theme of Genesis chapter 1? What's the theme? Creation. What would they say? They'd say creation. Creation, yeah. Is that the theme of Genesis chapter number 1? The theme of Genesis chapter number 1 is God. Mm-hmm. Creation is what this mm-hmm. great God did to show his greatness. Mm-hmm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But everyone goes into it thinking, oh, that's the theme of, of Genesis chapter number one is creation. It's not. The word, the, the word God is used like 32 times from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis like 2-3. If you look up made and created and it doesn't equal to, we are, intro, we notice God sees no need to introduce himself. Mm-hmm. Course, he has yeah. no need to give his bio- biography. So I believe we just come to the Bible incorrectly, where we think it's all about us. Uh, Brother Josh mentioned Psalm 23. I believe Psalm 23 is a tribulation psalm. It mm-hmm. pictures Israel during the tribulation period. Now we've made it, you know, and I'm thankful for the blessing. It's been to millions of people of and course. it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that whatsoever. But if you look at those Messianic Psalms, Psalm 22, 23, 24, Psalm 22 is the suffering Savior. That's where most of the prophecies of Christ's crucifixion comes from, is Psalm 22. If you look at Psalm 24, that is a kingdom psalm, a a millennial kingdom psalm, Psalm 24. Well, if you think of it with right division, that's what we're talking about, Psalm 22 is the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for Israel. Psalm 24 is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for Israel. Well, as far as right division goes, what is in store for Israel between Christ's first coming and his second coming? It's the time of Jacob's trouble. That was a great point because, like you said, for Israel, See, if you say Christ's first coming, Christ's second coming, well, what's in between the two? Well, amen, that's the church age, so we're Psalm 23. Right, but not for the nation of Israel. But not for the nation of Israel. And see, we can't claim those things just like I would say, can Israel claim the rapture? Is the rapture for them? No, of course not. Not Uh, Of course not. Now, we claim promises to Israel all the time. Sure. Yeah. But we would be just up in arms if Israel claimed our promise that was given to the church, the rapture. Well, that's not for them. And many of the things in the word of God is not for the church. Let me reiterate all this too. The three of us have come to these conclusions, not from studying really extra biblical um, um, commentaries or whatever. And we haven't come to these conclusions by looking at Greek and Hebrew. Right. We came to the conclusion just by reading the Bible and studying what God's word has laid out, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And John 6, uh, 63 tells us that the spiritual things are the words of God. Yeah, and I think, I mean, at the heart of 2 Timothy 2.15 is you study to show yourself approved unto God, right? So, and if, if God is the one who by his Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth, right? And, and spiritual things have to be received, right? Because the natural man receives not the things of God. So um, because we can sometimes come to the Bible with a me, you know, with a self-centeredness, uh, we might think 
and I don't know where you're at on this, but this is, we might think that we might be able to understand the Bible all on our own and build our own systems and build our own, that's, good, that's called yeah. a private interpretation. Which is that's right? true. And that's if true. it's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth, our responsibility is to study to show ourselves approved unto God, who then by his Holy Spirit is going to teach these things. Who will guide you into all truth. Right, right. So that doesn't, that means that, and, and I don't want to, I think this is where I'm at in my understanding of the Bible, is that I just, I can't come to the Bible and come to it with this approach of, I'm going to figure this out. Does that make sense? I can't come to the Bible with the mindset, I'm going to figure this out. You know, I can I do this on my yeah. own. My responsibility is just to show the Lord that I'm putting the work in, mm-hmm. that I, I'm seeking him. I want to know him and please him. Um, that Zechariah reference. You, give me that reference again. Zechariah fourteen nine. Zechariah fourteen nine. So that's worth repeating. But then I was thinking also just the book of Revelation itself. You know how many yeah. Bibles have you opened up and you come to Revelation, the book of Revelation, and it says the revelation of Saint John the Divine. Okay. Okay. What's well, not what the book of Revelation? Well, actually, is. why don't you read Revelation one one? Okay. So, so I'm looking at, I'm holding, this is a uh, church Bible publisher's Bible, right? So uh, they, they put together a good Bible. It's kind of a, it's a wide margin. I do like to build, mark things up. But the title is of the book, right? Which, okay, titles are, are assigned so we can organize our Bible. But the Revelation of St. John the Divine, that's what my Bible says for the title. But as you asked, all right, the first verse says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So the la- it's there's no other book on the planet that unless it's like a, a catalog or we don't when we read a book, we read it front to front to back. Yes. And so if the last book of the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ, where he is declared to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he comes, you know, at his second coming. That's the culmination of everything else preceding it. And so that another reason why I would, I would agree that the theme of the Bible is um, the second coming of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the king and his kingdom. In fact, the uh, we're hitting all kinds of things that maybe later we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to just <laughs> It's a good in, introductory. Right? <laughs> but there is a rest for the people of God, right? So that millennial reign of Christ is going to be a time of rest, of peace on earth. He'll rule with a rod of iron, um, but it won't be, uh, his rulership will not be like the current set of governments that we have, chaos and disorder. Well, here's a natural question that comes from, well, if the majority of the word of God is not about me, then why bother learning? If the Old Testament is not about me, then... You know, because you know how it is. Everyone listens to the same radio station, WIIFM, what's in it for me. So I believe church today has This is come... why he's on the podcast. Yeah, you are good for those <laughs> kinds of great. things. Yeah. Putting lipstick uh, on a pig, WIIF. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so, going to remember that? Yeah. Oh, I, I'll Use never forget Sunday that. morning? I probably will. Yeah. yeah. That's the name of the You'll sermon get it now, wrong. Sunday morning. <laughs> Don't put lipstick on You'll the pig. You'll get it wrong. Oh, you guys are so flattering. <laughs> All right. Now you know why I brought you guys along. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Uh, but but truly, um, most of preaching today is application. Uh, most preaching, I, I believe a properly preached text applies itself. But mm-hmm. um, let's talk about that for a second. That, okay, if if I rightly divide and I see that there's portions of the Word of God that's not about me, not for me. Well, I can't say it's not for me because the New Testament says it is. The things written aforetime are written for our learning, mm-hmm. the Bible says. So how do you encourage someone to study the Word of God if they just are obsessed with, I only have time, what's for me? Well, okay. You want to start? No. Okay. Well, if the theme of the Bible is is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the King and His kingdom, right? We understand from the Scriptures that we're going to be part of that kingdom. Okay. And I think we also would understand that the... Uh, that the rewards given and the rewards lost are going to be have a direct correlation to that 
hmm. that kingdom. Um, you know, the par- there's the parable of the, the steward, right? So I know that I have a short time here on earth to serve the Lord, to um, preach his gospel, preach yeah. that gospel, yeah. his gospel, and be faithful. And then more fully realize, you know, um, serving him in his kingdom. Well, let me, um, let me add to that, if you don't mind. You have to, because in, in the, way, just, the uh, way our universe works, you're speaking after me. So I'm not taking, but I could be it. taken away. Well, you could try. I could try. So, okay. Paul says that I may know him. Okay. Now, how do I know him? If, if these things were written aforetime or written for our learning. Okay, yeah, we're learning about Israel. It's clearly going to have history. You know, we're learning about um, um, David and Goliath. We're learning about these things. But you mentioned it. The theme of Genesis 1-1 is God, that I may know him. Pilate asked, what is truth? Okay, well, John 1-1, in the beginning was the word. John 1.14, the word became flesh. So who is that? Well, that's Christ. And when, so when Pilate says, what is truth? Well, the truth is standing right there. Jesus says, thy word is truth. Paul says that I may know him. How do I want to know him? It's by knowing his word. And his word is going to include Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yes, it might not be about me. I might not draw an application per se, for the 21st. What does this mean to me now in the 21st century? Well, it might not mean nothing about you. Right now, you just want to learn about him. I want to get to know him and more about God, more about Christ. If the theme is Christ setting up his kingdom, well, where's that in Psalm? Where's that in Leviticus? How am I going to see that in 1 Kings? If that's the theme, because if it is about him, I'm going to not make it about me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a good dose of get over yourself yeah, would be yeah. maybe the backwoods counsel. You know, like, how is it, how do I approach the Bible if there's pieces of it that are not about me? Well, get over, get yourself, over yourself and worship God. And and if he's if he has inspired and preserved it for you today, and he wants you to know him by his word, um, he's magnified his word above his name, then there has to be a certain dying to self and just saying, I'm going to put the work in. I'm, I'm going to follow the command. Here it is again, to study, to show myself approved unto God. Regardless of what passage you study, whether it's about me or not, it's teaching us of the character of God. It's teaching us of his righteousness, of his faithfulness, of his holiness. Okay. If he makes a promise to someone else, um, and obviously kept that promise, even though that promise had nothing to do with me, when he does make a promise that does involve me, I can see his faithfulness because he's been faithful before. So I tell our folks at Churchill Baptist is that, you know, if we're studying a passage, it teaches us of his character, of who he is. And by the way, that's what his kingdom is going to be like. I'm reading from Isaiah 2. The Bible says in Isaiah 2, verse 2, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. All nations. Well, we know that's not speaking of any day that's ever happened before because when have all nations flown unto Jerusalem? But look at verse three. And many people shall go out and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he, notice, not an apostle, not an angel, not a prophet, he himself. And he, the Bible says, will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's about him. And during the kingdom, it's going to be about him. And so whatever we can learn now to learn of his character, of who he is, uh, is only going to help us in our daily Christian walk. And I know that 
you know, just so many. And, and can we learn how to be a better husband and a better father from the word of God? Of course. Can we learn how to be a better parent? Can we learn how to be a, um, you know, and, but all preaching can't be how to sermons. And that's what so much preaching has become today where none of it's about him. It's all about us. Now, do we benefit from, well, yes, the Bible says that all scripture is profitable. It's profitable. And so, um, but I need to view it the right way. Right. Because the, the, yeah, the profitability is tied to, you know, if, if, if I hold in my hand right now, um, you know, rubles, right? Those rubles do, do me no good, right? So the profitability is tied to the right, in, right interpretation, right understanding. Um, I was just, I was just thinking about this as, as you mentioned it, you know, a lot of me, a lot of how to, you know, not every, every scripture is going to have some kind of historical application, right? To the people who heard it for the first time. It's also going to have, and, I, and this, this is something that was a help to me, a, a pastor, uh, sh- showed me. So historical, but also doctrinal, right? It's going to apply to the church. It's going to apply to Israel. And sometimes there will be like a devotional application. Sure. But that's like, you can't get to the devotional application if you don't first have a right handle on the historical and doctrinal applications. So that's good. Yeah. And also, you know, it was told unto me, you know, whose mail am I reading? Mm-hmm. That's such a key as I, so for instance, if I don't, if I don't uh, accept the fact, okay, when I'm reading the book of Ephesians, whose mail am I reading right. when I read chapter number one? Well, who is the us and the we here? Um, is this written? And as I preach to our folks, I'll use this phrase all the time. Okay. Is he writing to believers or unbelievers? Who is he writing to? Whose mail am I reading? Cause I can't claim, for instance, I, I, I if I write a letter to my wife, that says, dear Karen, when I see you, I'm going to give you a big kiss. Love James. And then some other woman intercepts this letter. Can she claim that promise? You would hope not. <laughs> right? <laughs> she, could, she could try to claim it, yeah. but that's not a promise unto her. Right. That's right. And so many times we read the scriptures and we just intercept promises that are not ours. Mm-hmm. Truth. But then, you know, what follows with that is disappointment. Sure. Frustration. Yeah, because confusion. we don't get the promise. Right. Or we, we don't get the, the fulfillment that we thought the promise was You guys was remember the us. prayer of Jabez craze? Yes. Yes. You know, and that is just, what is that? The consumption, you know, that, that materialistic mindset. I'm going to take this promise from the Word of God that promises me success. And I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim it. And then as, even as my life is a dumpster fire, it's all going to work out just fine. And, and it does. It leads to... Uh, to, to disappointment, but then worse than that is a wrong view of God. You know, if it, it and it is being it's about Him and His character to have a wrong view of Him um, and, and live life according to a wrong view of Him, a wrong understanding of who He is, is you know would be awful. So. How how critical has this been to you? This understanding of right division, I can say. In my steps of 20 years of pastoring, there's been mile markers in my ministry where I can look and say, wow, that was incredibly helpful to me. Um, Wow, that was incredibly helpful to me. Um, For me, understanding the difference between the kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, that was monumental for me. Um, But I would say the the biggest thing thus far for me in my study of the scriptures that has helped me the most. And by no means, I mean, I'm learning every day and it's just, it seems like I'm like a child tasting candy for the first time, you know, it's, but I would have to say that my understanding of right division has helped me more than anything else thus far. Now that doesn't have to be your testimony as well, but what would you say to that? I wouldn't, well, okay. I can't say it's been my number one because You've been doing it longer than I have. <laughs> um, it's my number one so far. But I will say this too. It enhanced my study. And it made studying a lot harder. Because, um, like, okay, Brother Chad, you and I have the same minor. All right, I'm going back to the Greek and Hebrew. I'm sorry. 
but it's just because it's still, for me, it's still fresh. That was easy to just get your app. What's the Greek word for this? As you look up this particular verse, and then you can draw an application just because you find out that the Greek word has 15 different definitions. Well, there's my 15 different points for my sermon. This is an easy study. To set that aside and learning how to compare spiritual things to spiritual things just in the scriptures that I have right in front of me in the King James Bible, it made studying harder. But going back to our verse, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, which means it's going to take work, but how do I better myself? Okay, if I want to go run a marathon, I need to work at it. And exercise is supposed to be challenging. If it was easy, it wouldn't be exercise. And so if I go to scripture and just approach it easily, well, this is easy. Well, then I'm not, I'm not sharpening the sword. I'm not, I'm not bettering myself and equipping myself. I explain it this way to our church. In a, in a swimming pool, you have the shallow end and the deep end, the, the three feet, the two feet, and the 12 feet. It's the same water. It's flowing through both but you yourself are getting to where it's you're, you're, you're understanding the depth of the water. You're understanding how, how crucial it actually is versus when you're in two feet and you're just sitting there. And we all know the foolishness of the grown adults sitting in the two foot water thinking, okay, I'm swimming. Look how cool I am. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians have approached scripture and, and that's what they're, they're gray headed babies in a way in the sense that they're saved, but they're still in the, the kiddie pool. And it's time for, for the believer to understand this is going to take work. This is going to take um, um, exercise, but I'm going to get deeper. And I'm going to start, it's the same water, but I'm going to start understanding more and more and more what I find and what, what the Lord has really, because are we not going to be studying this for eternity? Right. So may we never say, I got it all. I mean, Paul, obviously, in uh, Philippians 3, he didn't reach... And if he didn't, I know I'm not, but I don't want to come to the conclusion that, oh, well, yeah, I already understand that passage. Well, let's do it again. Let's, let's get some, maybe a little deeper. So when you say that it became harder. It did for me. Do you think, I'm trying to, in my mind, unpack that a little bit. Do you think it was because you felt like you had to unlearn some things or because... I felt like I had to unlearn, but I also had to stop approaching the Bible. And I mean this, and I don't know if... I mean, you guys are more spiritual than I am. Um, but I had to come to the place of stop approaching this passage on what can I preach from it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What three points can sure, I get sure, out sure, of sure. this? And it's easy if I just go to some Greek word, and then I'm going to sound smart when I tell everybody in front of the church, well, the Greek word here... To me, it's not my job to just sound smart. It's not my job to find a passage that'll preach. It's my job to just preach the word. Mm -hmm. And what word would that be? Well, we have 66 books in front of us. Well, this isn't right here. We have 66 books in front of us to study um, uh, the, the word study. I can't think of the right word. The word study is connected with the word student. I mean, that's obvious. And if you're a student, you talk to anybody who's a student, it should be challenging. It should be work. It should be rewarding when you come to the understanding and the conclusions. But for me, that was the approach is no longer the what will preach. Okay. What is this saying? Okay. So that's, I think what you're saying then is that when it's almost like the difference between a, like a pragmatic you know, how do I use this? Yeah. How do I use this in order to communicate some some good moral principles? You mean it can be misused? Well, of course it can of be. Of course it can. Right? I got me a message. Now I just need a text. Need a text. That's it. it. Yeah. So okay. I've, I've had to... Does the text develop your message or does your message just fit a text? Depends on how ticked off I am, honestly. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to apologize... Um, I say so many times like I'm a terrible person, but I mean honestly, I, I've I've told our church, hey, what I preached in this, we went through a book study list. I'm just using this as an example, but we went through a book study four years ago, and then I go back to a certain passage in that book and go, okay, what I said then completely wrong, 
completely wrong. I mean, I know you guys have never done that, but I have had to. There's natural growth to everything in, yeah. in the ministry. I had boxes of my sermons from 15 plus years ago. I threw them all away. I oh, probably... come on. I want to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, but I was embarrassed because I, 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 I could just couldn't, but at the same time, you've got to understand there's natural development. Right. I mean, Apollos, who was mighty in the scriptures, mm -hmm. needed to be pulled aside. So, you know, for the for the younger preacher out there who, you know, don't be discouraged. There is a natural progression to learning. And I just told our folks this past Sunday, you know, it's it's not wrong to be a babe in Christ. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got to be one at one point. You know, Paul was writing unto babes in Corinth. So it's not wrong to be a babe, but I believe it's wrong to stay one. And I think in today's society, many churches have become nurseries. We're just, we're just handling babes and th they need to commit to grow. And the only way to grow is through his word. And it's not my responsibility it, to for the growth of the people of our church. It is their responsibility right. to grow. Right. It's a difference between feeding and eating. I feed my children, but whether or not they eat what I feed them, you know, that's... Um, so there is a natural progression to where we just... I don't believe we should ever be satisfied with our knowledge. I mean, Brother Josh just mentioned Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. Well, the man who penned that went to the third heaven the physically. <laughs> the man who penned that penned half the New Testament, and even he didn't feel like he knew God enough. Yeah. And, so. you know, you brought up, Paul mentioned the Church of Corinth, the babes in Christ. Well, that's 1 Corinthians. We need to remember 2 Corinthians, where there was obvious growth, and they were no longer what they were. And um, so, you know, that that's I'm all set mentality to Scripture. So I think what's what's helped me the most with I think right division has helped me the most, and the reason that it's helped me the most is because uh, it it is the most consistent approach to understanding the Bible. So if if we approach the Bible and we um, we're gonna take God at His word literally, right? That's a big word. Okay, literally, uh, we're really comfortable doing that. In, in scriptures like husband, love your wife. Yeah, Ephesians 6. You know, we'll take that literally. But then you get into some weirder passages, you know, that really challenge conventional fundy thinking, and it becomes a little uncomfortable. And so you either live with the awkwardness because you're adhering to your system, or you say, I'm going to have to let go of the system and just I'm going to let God say what he's saying. And if he says there's divisions, then there's divisions. Now it's my responsibility to under, to, to ask him to teach me, to study, so I'll understand those things. So actually, like I see the harder aspect because you're trying to kick old habits, yeah. right? But for me, there was actually a sense of relief. Like I'm, this is where I'm settling. I'm going to settle right yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wrestle about which manuscripts, right? Where's are good enough or not good enough. I'm not going to wrestle with, I'm just going to, I'm settling here and I'm going to settle on plain, a plain, simple approach to the Bible and let God say what he says. And so for me, it was a sense of relief. And then actually, you know, when, when you've got brothers uh, in Christ that you know and trust, when you see them coming on their own independent to the same uh, same conclusions, you know, same resting places. Uh, you can praise the Lord for that too. That's not everybody's experience, but I was thankful for that because, because you, you can read some things in the Bible and you can look at it and think, okay, this is what I think it means, but this is pretty weird. They're not going to put this in the sword of the Lord, you know, but, but right. in your heart, it's like, well, that's what I think God's saying. You know, if I compare scripture to scripture, you check your work, of course. But um, for me, it was actually relief because there's so many systems. There are so many systems 
uh, system systematic approaches to the Bible that are available to us. I own Logos. You ever heard? You've, mm-hmm. All right. And when it came time to purchasing a Logos, thank package, you for pronouncing it correctly. Yes. Well, that's the that's my English it's rendition not, of the word. It's not logos. Legos. Well, legos. <laughs> Some people got Legos. I got logos. But when you when you purchase logos, you can purchase purchase a number of different iterations yes, based upon your denominational preference, right? So if I want, you know, I, I want a more congregational approach to the Bible, I can get those books and and I can it, so I just that's that can't be right. You know, there's that old Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other. Well, two things that are different can't be the same. They can't be. They can't be. For me, it was, you know, you know, when you're hungry, you see a hamburger everywhere. And if you're interested in a particular car, you you see it driving by all the time. For me, it was once I understood it, it's like my glasses were cleaned. Mm -hmm. I was, and now I see it everywhere. Yeah. I can't go anywhere without seeing the coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. All the prophets spoke to it. Israel sang of it in the Psalms. It, it was, it's, it's just everywhere. Um, you can go to the book of Leviticus. I, I think of this time of year because everyone started their Bible reading to read through the Bible. And Genesis is exciting. Exodus is pretty exciting. And then they hit Leviticus. That's like Mike Tyson. Leviticus <laughs> is the Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson. Bible. Right. right. Yeah. Done. But what's yeah. interesting is... Leviticus. People are fascinated with end times prophecy. Well, have you read have you read Leviticus twenty six? All of those plagues and all of those things which take place in Revelation are prophesied in Leviticus mm. in that book that we can't get through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everywhere when you when you finally you know see clearly. Um, you can see those things. And for me, it was just enlightening. It was, but I agree with what Josh is saying too. I use the term worlds collide. Yeah. When worlds collide, Mm -hmm. what am I going to, because one of our young men preached a couple of weeks ago in the church about the traditions of men, the traditions of men from the book of Mark, where Christ like three or four times in addressing the Pharisees was rebuking their traditions and how tradition becomes theology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happened in Christianity. And we have our own form of godliness in what you would call fundamental Christianity, where tradition has become theology. And it's just not so. It's, it's um, we need to, you know, the Word of God stands very well on its own feet. Yep. I, I don't need to help it at all. And when I come to it with the right premise, I can see it so much more clearly. It makes so much more sense because when we try to pound that square peg into a round hole, it just does not, it just causes confusion, frustration, inconsistency. Um, you know, it was mentioned, I, I'm the one of the group. I've, I've not been to Bible college. Um, <gasps> yeah. So everyone discount everything that I've said, but um, what's interesting is all three of us went to the same college. We did. Yeah. I just don't represent their Bible department. I, um, and so I think that's healthy <laughs> a for thing. our group. Which, to be fair, you had to have Bible electives every semester. Sure. Well, I took four Bible classes is, wow. is what I took. You didn't take more than that. And, huh? um, but I think that gives a good roundness to our group here that we have that. But... But the whole point of backwoods, I believe, is you don't have to have a Bible degree to understand the Bible. Right. My grandmother was a farmer's wife her whole life, and she understood the scriptures because she read it, because she prayed over it. You know, you don't need to have, um, and I'm not against education. I'm not, it's just not the road God had for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not against it. Uh, but at the same time, to say that it is necessary to understand the scriptures then what did we do before Bible college? What, sure. do, what did all these people do? Well, and what hope What hope does the farmer in your church have? Right. Right. What hope does the builder, the electrician, the, the, stay, you know, the stay-at-home mom, is there hope for them to know God through their Bibles? Or do they, are you, you know, there's, I'm with you. Having been through it all and having even done some master's level work, I just come back to... You know, before all of these traditions and structures existed, could people know God by his word? Yes, they could. And what was the prerequisite? 
study. You put the work in and God will teach you. And you know, that is the that is kind of the heart, I think the heart and hope, right, of this podcast is right Bible. Right and we're division. not against structure. Yeah. We need it. I mean, uh, like the marquee sign church in Augusta put up a marquee sign that I thought it was pretty good. It said, uh, if you're against organized religion, you'll love us. We're as disorganized as we can be. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, God does things decently in an order. And there's things that we do at our church. We can't go chapter and verse on and say, okay, why do you encourage people to dress up to come? You know, we have, I don't want people to th- think, we need structure. We need design. We need order. We need all of those things. Um, but we should not allow, we should not allow those things to become doctrine. Right. And that's what Christ was refuting the Pharisees for, how their traditions had become scripture. Right. And in every age, we have our own form of that. So mm-hmm. we just need to be careful. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, so you guys think that's a good place for us to wrap up our introductory episode? That was we, a good introductory episode. We have we, been going for an hour and seven minutes. We got right oh, into right division. Right doesn't off the doesn't bat. take. Long. Well, if there's anyone still listening to us, we want to just thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, we'll be coming to you regularly. We, today was just really an introduction for you to get to know us, as well as to get to know what direction from the scriptures we are coming. Um, we are thankful. We're Bible believers. That's who we're glad to be. And we're glad that um, we're able to just talk these things out. And I think this is going to continue to help our friendship. And maybe we can be a friend to someone around the country today. So from Backwoods, from the Backwoods of Maine, we want to say God bless you. And we will be coming to you again at a later date.